welcome to Conversations About Life. Well, thanks, Terry, for getting together with me. And um, I met you, um, I guess it was a few weeks ago, and we talked, mm-hmm. and I enjoyed the conversation. And you're a member of the Church of Latter-day Saints, right? Yes, Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Yes. Okay, okay. So I thought that was interesting and maybe something we could talk about. But we could just go wherever, yeah. so if we want to go wherever, that's fine. But, but I thought maybe we could... So I'm more from a traditional branch of, you know, traditional Christianity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, I thought maybe we could talk about some of the differences. And then just kind of what your experience with the, this LDS, a short uh, yes. way of saying, mm-hmm. the LDS church. Yeah. Okay. And then um, and just see what you like, what you don't like about it, and so forth. And then maybe just kind of talking a little bit about, well, just what are you looking at? What are your spiritual desires? Mm-hmm. And that type of thing. So, um, anyway, before uh, just starting into that, though, uh, why don't you just tell a little bit about yourself and just uh, who you are, what you're all about, and that type of thing? You know, I'm still trying to figure that out myself. <laughs> but, um, so yeah, I'm originally from um, the Seattle area, just okay. north of Seattle in a town called Everett. Okay. Um, same town where my dad grew up. Um, he was in the Navy for almost 30 years, so we moved around quite a bit. Yeah. Not so much when I was younger in my grade school years. I attended the same school from um, kindergarten to sixth grade. Um, but then we moved to Virginia Beach, where we lived for over a year, a little over a year. Um, then we moved back to Washington, where we lived in a small town called um, Paulsbo for about three years. Mm-hmm. Um, then... Yeah. And then growing up, were you a part of the uh, Church of Jesus, Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints then? Um, I was. My mother grew up in the church. Okay. Um, my father was not religious. Um, I guess you'd, you could say he was agnostic. Okay. Um, he was very scientific-minded. Mm-hmm. Um, he once told me that uh, he would have an easier time being a man of faith if it wasn't for... Uh, religion, meaning organized religion. Okay. Um, he had some trouble with, with the dogmas and and the, I guess, what you might call the rules, and he felt it was kind of uh, intellectually confining. I see. Right. Yeah. And um, um, He would have loved being in Missouri with it being the show-me state. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So your mom was into it, um, the LDS Church, and that's yeah. kind of your introduction to it, I guess. Mm, yeah. So were you pretty active into it then? Um, you know, not quite so much. Well, yeah, yeah. I, I guess um, when when I was younger, um, my dad was out at sea a lot. He worked on the submarines. Okay. Um, and so she was um, essentially a, a single mom. For um, months at a time, mm-hmm. and it was kind of hard to, to get to church mm-hmm. um, constantly. But but she did her best. Mm-hmm. Um, from the time I was about five or six, I remember going pretty regularly. Mm-hmm. 
we lived a half hour away from the from the meeting house. Okay. So it was not always easy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, with, with with three young boys who got kind of rowdy. Yeah. And didn't always behave the best. Right. But you know, she she stuck with it. Mm-hmm. And then I know a lot of young people they go on a mission, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. And did you do that? I did. Okay. Yeah. Where did you go? Well, I started out in Ecuador. I was there for a month. Uh, and then because of uh, various personal matters, I came back to the U.S. I spent about two and a half months in Salt Lake City of all places. As a missionary? Yeah. Okay. Wow. And then I was permanently reassigned to San Antonio, Texas. Okay. And is it like a two-year thing? or a one Yeah. Year? Two years? It's two years, okay. yes. Did you enjoy it for the most part? It sort of. It is probably the most difficult period of my life. Okay. I don't know that I was well suited hmm. to the traditional mission. Mm-hmm. Nowadays, there are a lot more opportunities for people who don't, who for various reasons, don't fit well with the traditional you know, door knocking mission. Mm-hmm. There are service missions, mm-hmm. and I think I might have done better with that sort of thing. Okay. Um, actually, when I was out for nine months I thought what am I doing here I was going through a lot of depression Hmm. and I didn't feel like I was doing any good and I thought should I just go home Mm -hmm. and I talked with my parents and I talked with my leader he's called the mission president and I decided that I would give myself a month just to think about it, to pray about it. And when the month was up, I just felt very strongly that I should stick with it. (laughs) And I know that didn't come from me because that was not necessarily the answer I was looking for. (laughs) (laughs) It it was a more inconvenient answer. Right. And then, like, so... As far as your scripture, you mm-hmm. have like the Bible, the Old Testament, New Testament. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then you also have um, like the Book of Mormon yes. and um, the Pearl of Great Price. Is that one? Um, That's one and also the Doctrine and Covenants. Okay. And so are you um, pretty well read with your scriptures? Have you, you know? I think st- I am, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, you know, in the mission, I was a lot more well read <laughs> okay. than I am now. Okay. You know, there there is daily time set aside for for study. Yeah. And it's not as easy to fit that in now. Mm-hmm. But I I make I make a point of um before I start work spending some time reading from the scriptures. Okay. What's your favorite things to read or anything in particular? Oh. You know, I would say the Book of Mormon and the New Testament. Okay. So, um, you know, we, we use the King James Version, okay, which yeah. is not always the easiest to follow, especially when you get into the writings of Paul. Yeah. Because they get very intricate and they use yeah. a lot of phraseology that you don't find nowadays. Right. So that, that's when I kind of go to one of the more modern translations. Right. And the Book of Mormon is kind of written in um, King James-like style, right? I call it King James Light. 
light. Okay, yeah. It, it, it's not as archaic as right. as King James. Right. Uh, I, I guess you could say it was the, the style is fairly nineteenth century ish when people okay. still used um, language from the from the King James. But okay. It was a more modern okay. flavor. Okay. So people kind of uh, talked like that um, in the 19th century, um, somewhat like especially like when praying or religious yeah, type it, of talk, yeah. I think. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, ha- have you ever thought about like, um, how would you put it into a nutshell? Like the Mormon faith or Latter-day Saints faith, uh, I'm not... I, don't, I want to refer to it in the proper way. <laughs> um, how would you put it in a nutshell if you'd say, well, this is like the storyline or this is what it's really all about. Um, how would you do that? Or do you, do you have any thoughts about that? Yeah, I guess I would start by talking about or asking what category does it fit in? It's not Catholic. It's right. not Protestant. Protestant, right. it fits more in the Restorationist right. category, mm-hmm. which was um, pretty, which was gaining popularity in the eighteen in the eighteen hundreds. Okay, um, it's not a Reformation; it's a restoration of right. what we regard as having been lost in the early days of Christianity. Right. Okay. So, um, like in more of like the Christianity I'm familiar with, it um, it sees the history of the Christian Church kind of um, with uh, bright points but blights, and mm-hmm. you know the good and the bad and all right. of that. But we see um, the you know the church today as kind of like a a, a unit, a continuation, like of mm-hmm. the early. You right. know, but um, but with Joseph Smith, he saw it being lost, like you said. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. And like being lost like super early, like first century, second century, or any particular time? or uh, Later first century, okay. early second century. Okay. Yeah, after, after the original apostles, um, there were other church leaders. They, there was... Uh, Clement and Ignatius, and soon after that generation is when it started to go wrong. Okay. Okay. Um, and um, so, um, <clears throat> I guess um, who? Um, I guess like the main. There's lots of differences between like a lot of different Christian mm-hmm. sects and so forth. Yeah. But I guess like the. The main thing is like, uh, you know, who is God, and then what did He do, you know, for mankind, you know, to save them or mm-hmm. that type of thing. Yeah. Um. So how do you, how do you guys see that? Um. Or like, what's your main points, I guess, of, you know, of your faith. At the very center of our faith is the atonement of Jesus Christ. Okay. To to reconcile us to God. Okay. So you see it like a sacrifice for yes. sins. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, 
well, I guess one of the main differences in terms of the nature of God is that our faith collapses the difference between man and God in that we are generally of the same species. The, the difference is um, one of degree rather than one of kind. Okay, right. Um, that we are literally children of God. Right. And um, and then and then do, do you see it such as like um, that the God of the Bible then is a child of a, another God and something like that then? Oh, that's something I don't dare get into. There's been a lot of speculation <laughs> about okay. that, especially in the 1800s. Okay. And, um, you know, the, the, the church does not have a position on that. Okay. There are various writers and speakers in the church who do. Okay. But uh, officially, the church doesn't really go there. <laughs> okay. Um, so the atonement was... Um, sacrifice of sins mm-hmm. um, but yeah you see um, your faith sees us kind of more in a literal sense sons of God whereas um, we see um, us created in the image of God mm-hmm. and sons of God in the sense that we're we're adopted like Paul speaks yeah. about us being mm-hmm. adopted yeah and um, in the um the Old Testament, sons of God's not used a whole lot, except there's like the angels, you know. In the New Testament, Adam's referred to as a son of God, I think, in mm-hmm. Luke. Yes. Um, and um, and then there's that chapter in um, Genesis 6 where the sons of God and the daughters of men. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And there, um, I get the impression it's speaking about some kind of spiritual beings or something like that. I, I don't know. It's kind of a confusing yeah. Uh, yeah. passage, but yeah, I, I, I've heard that it refers to fallen angels. Okay, okay, mm-hmm. and um, well, what about Jesus then? Um, who is Jesus, uh, according you know the faith of the Church of Latter Day Saints? Uh, Jesus is divine. Okay, he is. We don't talk about the trinity in the traditional sense okay we do talk about the godhead which is the the father the son jesus christ and the holy spirit uh i guess the main difference is we don't really get into the metaphysics of it okay okay uh we we regard them as as separate beings in one in one um relationship okay and then who is the Holy Spirit apart from him being the the Holy Spirit we don't really have much of a doctrine about that okay um, you know the Holy Spirit we believe is the one who testifies of Jesus Christ okay um, the one who teaches us of uh, spiritual truths okay yeah um, we refer to him as the comforter, as Jesus did. Right. Okay. Well, is there anything in particular that, I guess, first of all, is there anything in particular that gives you confidence in just, um, like, belief in God in general, 
rather than just a naturalistic viewpoint, you know, humanistic viewpoint. And, um, and then, then even narrowing it down further, what about uh, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints? Like um, feeling that you're right, you know, in the right place there. Mm-hmm. Um, so what are your thoughts, you know, about that? In terms of belief in God, you know, there's a saying that it takes more faith to disbelieve in God than to believe in Him. Right. And, and that's where I stand. Mm-hmm. You know, based on what I understand about the nature of nature <laughs> right. and, and how things are organized and how intricately everything works together. Yeah. You know, how can I not believe in God? Mm-hmm. Okay. How, how can I not believe in a supreme intelligence who mm-hmm. keeps things going? Okay. You know, despite our best efforts to mess it up. <laughs> okay. And then what about the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints? You know, I've done a lot of thinking about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, asking myself, you know, how do I know that this church is authentic? Mm-hmm. Uh, when there are so many other, not only flavors of Christianity, but other religions altogether. Mm-hmm. And I guess it just comes down to, this is my spiritual home. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that doesn't really say much about truthfulness. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, it, one can easily say, well, that's because I grew up in it. I've been in it all my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's that familiarity and comfort level and, you know, a person would definitely have a point in saying that. Mm -hmm. Um, and beyond that, I really don't know that I can say. Okay, sure. Well, all I know is that when I read the Book of Mormon, mm -hmm. it brings clarity to me. It helps me refocus on what is important eternally and not get so caught up in the concerns of everyday life. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, um, we're kind of talking about differences a little yeah. bit. Do you have any questions about me, like in kind of more of a traditional, um, you know, uh, viewpoint of of anything about my thoughts about you know the way I believe or anything um yeah what what's what's your history with Christianity well I grew up in a religious home my dad mm-hmm. was a deacon we went to church Sunday morning Sunday night Wednesday mm-hmm. and stuff and um it was a Protestant yeah. home uh when I was a, a kid um I remember wanting to do something in so that I would know that I was saved because I heard mm-hmm. people talk about heaven and hell. Yeah. And I heard about them, um, you know, people being saved, so to speak, you know, and then their life was different and everything was... So I wanted that, and I tried to figure out what did I need to do. So I... Um, we had, like, what's called an altar call at the end of our yeah. services. So I responded to that, and um, they baptized me, but uh, I realized... Uh, something's missing here, you know. I, whatever I'm looking for, um, you know, this ain't, ain't it. Because yeah. I knew I knew it was 
something spiritual was supposed to happen. So I, um, I talked to my mom about it, and she, um, she gave me some tracks, like little booklets with some uh, verses in them, and at the mm-hmm. end you would yeah. pray a prayer. And I thought that if I um, just could pray that prayer sincerely enough and have enough faith, you know, shazam, something would happen. Mm-hmm. And um, The prayer of salvation? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then, um, but, you know, nothing did. It was kind of a frustrating time in my life. And eventually I just kind of put all that on the back burner and went on with my life. And as going throughout my teenage years, um, I grew um, kind of rebellious and angry and was an unhappy kid. I was hateful to my siblings. And whenever um, an opportunity came to stumble into something I knew was wrong, you know, I just found myself stumbling into it, you know, yeah. and and then I, I come, came to the point when I was about 18, and um, I just remember feeling low, um, like I was morally disgusting, just sad over who I had become, and um, I called out to God to save me, and maybe kind of like I had done several years earlier when I was saying, you know, but this was more of like, I, I realized and I felt my moral awfulness, you know, I, yeah. and it's like, I needed to be saved from who I was, you know, I, because, uh, you know, I didn't want to be who I was. And, uh, I felt, and it was, and it was like instantly a load of guilt was just lifted from me. So I feel like it was a spiritual experience. Mm-hmm. It was like spiritually communicated to me that I had been forgiven because that guilt that I didn't even know I carried around was just suddenly gone. You know, I felt as light as a feather. And that was kind of the beginning. Then I um, had an interest in all the things that I really didn't have an interest in before. Um, I got into the Bible. I I was interested in what was going on at church, Christian music, just all of that type of thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, And um, it's been a growing experience, um, but that was the beginning, and um, and that kind of um, is a source of confidence in, like the the Bible, because um, in the Bible things are re- something's referred to that reminds me of my experience. Like Jesus yeah. says, um, "You must be born again to see the kingdom of heaven." Mm-hmm. And it's, and it's, I felt like I was spiritually born at that point. And, and Paul, he speaks about uh, becoming a new, cre- uh, new creation in Christ or something like that. And it was like something new was happening with me. So um, I kind of think sometimes um, the biblical writers, they're on to something um, because um, they're speaking about something that I have experienced. That kind of, so that is, a, you know, one thing that gives me... Um, confidence in it all yeah. but um that's kind of uh, a beginning of my um experience with the church and then a lot of things have happened over the years um that um you know we could go in any number of directions talking about yeah. because yeah. they're so varied um but yeah that's that's kind of how things started for me and how things are now. Um, I, um, I, the, the idea of God just resonates with me. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. 
I'm attracted to the God of the Bible, a fatherly God. There's certain parts of the Bible that are difficult for me to know what to do with, you know, parts of the Old Testament. Yeah, and things yeah. That is just like this, the culture of ancient Israelites is so different than us that some of these things are that happen are kind of shocking, you know. Right. Um, but just in general, um, a God who is both... Um, great and glorious and high but also near and coming near in Christ like a, a lamb and willing to lay his life down in yeah. Christ that um, just the complexity of it it all means a lot to me and um, and I, I think I've been thinking about this here just real recently that it's like a home for my, uh, you know, and there's the stresses of life um, that can really be like a storm and just beat upon a person. But, um, and Jesus, he warned against cares that they're, you know, they're like weeds that can root out spiritual life. Yeah. And, um, but there's, if we can get away from those stresses, you know, there's just a home and the love and the grace of God for me. Um, my soul, so to speak, you know, just not talking about like, and uh, after life, I'm talking about like right now, today, a place to uh, just dwell in God's love. So I experienced that, um, it, it seems, and enjoy that. That's kind of what I'm after, I think, um, to rest in God and have that relationship with Him. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, that's just me. Yeah. Well, um, what about um, just your experience in the um, uh, the church then, the LDS church? Um, good, bad, probably a mixture? Yeah, it, it's definitely a mixture. Okay. Um you know, it, it's common nowadays to hear people talk about being spiritual but not religious. Mm-hmm. And I guess when I was younger, for me, it was the opposite. I was religious but not especially spiritual. Okay. <laughs> um, you know, I, I had some sort of awakening when I was 15, some sort of spiritual awakening, but I didn't really know what to make of it. Mm-hmm. Looking back... I guess the best way to explain it was the is like falling in love <laughs> is a sensation. But again, I didn't know what I was falling in love with. It's just that things just start opening up. And maybe it's partly because it happened to be in springtime and I was a teenager <laughs> and there are all sorts of feelings going on. But I... I found myself being drawn more to to spiritual things. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was another couple of years before I started reading anything from the scriptures. Mm-hmm. Um, it was when I was seventeen I first read the Book of Mormon. Then I moved on to the the New Testament, mm-hmm. and then I took on the challenge of the Old Testament, which was not an <laughs> easy challenge to undertake. Yeah. Um, but you know, a, a lot of my experience was just wrapped up in, you know, being a, a member of the church. You know, you go to church on Sundays. There are uh, youth activities during the week, and sometimes on weekends. Uh, you know, there, there there's a mission thing. 
but even with all that, I don't know how much of a spiritual dimension there was to all of it until recently. I'd say the last 10 years, uh, when I started going through another awakening, part spiritual, part uh, emotional. And now I find myself much more drawn to the spiritual aspect than to the going to church aspect. Uh, I, I guess it's probably because I'm not really a very social person. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm kind of a homebody and I, you know, um, I live in my own head a lot. Mm -hmm. And I don't always feel comfortable being around people. So I, I do tend to focus more on the spiritual aspect now. So I know what you mean by the religious aspect, I think, like kind of going through the actions, going mm -hmm. to church, the songs, yeah, so yeah. everything. But when you're talking about the spiritual aspect, are you talking more about like the way you, f you feel? Is it kind of, you know, feeling a connection with God or something? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, you know, I've never been a huge uh, person for prayer. Okay. It, it's something I've always struggled with. Mm -hmm. I guess it's making that connection <laughs> with right. God. Sometimes yeah. I feel like I'm just talking to myself. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I wonder, you know, is, is he really listening? Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I know he is because he says he is, but I don't always sense that. Right. So, so that's where the struggle lies. Okay. Um, again, uh, you, when I was younger, in my 20s and 30s, I focused a lot on the, not just going to church, but on the more intellectual aspects of, of the theology. And, you know, there's a lot of... Uh, there's a big scholarly aspect to right. to our theology and our scriptures and mm -hmm. and all that, and I got kind of caught up in that and the more esoteric mm -hmm. elements. Um, and I, I still find that interesting, but I, I also, again, I'm drawn more to the to the spiritual, to the to the connection with God through through scripture and. You know, to the extent that I'm able to sense it through through prayer. Yeah. Um, I, I live in my head a lot, okay. probably much more than is healthy. <laughs> well, do you do you have spiritual connection with other people of your faith? Um, maybe um, not talking about like going to church and being a part of everything, but just like um, one on one with a, a, another person or a few other people, where. Um, it seems kind of helpful, like you're building one another up in your faith yeah. or, or something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, my best friend for over 10 years now, he is currently uh, our pastor. Oh, really? We, okay. we have a lay ministry, and so the okay. the pastor, we call him the bishop, kind of rotates every five years or so. Okay, I see. And uh, he's serving. he's been serving as our bishop since last October. Okay. And when he, when he first became a bishop, I thought, well, this is kind of strange. How is that going to change our our relationship, our dy dynamic? Um, but most of the time, you know, he's he's just my my buddy. Yeah. Okay. Um, 
you know, he has uh, ADHD. I'm on the autism spectrum, and okay. he has a son on the spectrum. So we're really able to connect and talk about things that we couldn't really talk about with other people. I see. Yeah. Um, well, where, um, where are you wanting to go in the future? Like, what are you, your desires about your spiritual life and um, your connection with God. Um, yeah, What's, what are you looking for? I definitely want to have more of a connection with God. Okay. Uh, I've been focusing on being more diligent about uh, studying, studying scriptures mm-hmm. and drawing closer to Him that way and being more consistent with, with prayer. Mm-hmm. On a, on a regular basis you know with, with all that's going on right now uh, we attend church every other week for about 45 minutes to an hour mm-hmm. you know we social distance we, we wear our masks and uh, there's no hymn singing which I really miss oh, we, do you? we listen to recorded hymns yeah I love singing Oh wow! that's one of my favorite hmm. um Parts about church, singing hymns, and also being in the in the choir. Okay, yeah, really enjoy that. Uh, we do have some meetings uh, through Zoom, <laughs> and I'm not a fan of Zoom. <laughs> okay, right. Uh, you know, there's that digital distance that right. That just it's it to me it's it's very awkward. Mm-hmm. Uh, I said I'm not very social, but I do a lot better in person with mm-hmm. people. Right. Yeah. Then, you know, communicating through a screen. Yeah. Okay. So what you're looking for is just to be growing in your connection with God. Mm-hmm. And the main thing you're, the way you're practicing that is through reading scriptures and mm-hmm. through prayer. And I yeah. think you said you, you write out prayers, right? Is that what you said? Uh, I haven't done that for quite a while, but okay. I, I did that a lot in the mission. Okay. Um, where I would actually write out, I guess, talking points. Okay. Because, you know, on my knees, I tend to kind of not be all there. Okay. Especially in the, in the morning and at night. Right. Okay. Uh, I do a lot of informal prayers during the day. Okay. Just um, checking in with God. Okay. So, yeah. so just kind of... In your head, kind of. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I want to be more consistent with that. And I also want to be able to be more of service to other people. Okay. Uh, there, there's a big emphasis in our in our faith in giving service. Okay. Um, you know, there, there's, a, um, there's a saying in the Book of Mormon that we're, when we're in the service of our fellow beings, we're only in service to God. Okay, yeah. That there really is no distinction between the two. Right, yeah. So are you pretty satisfied then with where you are then as far as your spiritual life? For the most part, I realize that in spiritual things, especially it can be kind of dangerous to say I'm satisfied. Right. <laughs> you know, it's easy to become complacent. Yeah. Okay, but you're kind of satisfied with the road you're on um, yeah. of growth and so forth. Yeah, I, I'm much more 
positive about the tra- trajectory I'm on now okay. than I was some time ago. Okay. Well, um, anything else you want to bring up or as far as... Um, are you pr- pretty familiar with like um, kind of more traditional types of photography? I mean, of, of Christianity? <laughs> I almost said photography. Not photography, no. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I've done, I've done quite a bit of reading. Okay. About yeah. uh, traditional Christianity. Okay. Um, I, you know, I've read quite a lot of uh, C.S. Lewis. Oh, have you read Mere Christianity? Yes, yes. Oh, okay. I love it, yes. Yeah, that's really good. And that, and that does kind of get down to like the mirror, the, yeah. um, not like this particular sect or that particular mm-hmm. one, but like what's kind of yeah. like the common type yeah. of thing. Yeah. Um, I also really like reading Tim Keller. Oh, do you? Yeah. Well, I, just... I see him as kind of a uh, modern day C.S. Lewis. Okay. I can see why you'd say that. Yeah. I was just listening to him today on a podcast. Um, it's called Unbelievable Question Mark, but they, mm-hmm. they bring believers and unbelievers together. Okay. Yeah. I've heard of that podcast. Okay. Yeah. So you like Tim Keller. Mm-hmm. So do you, like when you're uh, reading or listening to Tim Keller or C.S. Lewis, like do you see um, much of a difference between like what they, their idea, you know, the, the faith as they understand it and then the faith as the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints understand it? You know, I don't see a, a ton of difference. I, I see differences here and there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for example, when uh, C.S. Lewis in Mere Christianity talks about the um, the Trinity, yeah, you know, there, there's there's a bit of difference there. Or when he talks about uh, salvation as opposed to moral improvement, okay. But you know, even there in, in our faith, we we see a difference between the two. Okay. Um, you know, we, we, we definitely see the difference between the, between man's attempts to improve okay. and what God can do. Okay. And then like what God can do, are you referring to the atonement then or? Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. You know, the, the, and the way he enables us to become more than we could ever become on our own. Right. As we put our trust in him and we, we see it as a, as a partnership with God. Right. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, I don't know if I have anything else to bring up, but, um, um, so like when, um, we've, you know, there were, um, missionaries who came by Mm -hmm. and spoke with us before and we kind of built relationships with them you know they were having dinners with us and stuff Mm -hmm. like that too but we would also kind of like um, debate a little bit and like horns and stuff like that too so there's like um, some things uh, that came up I don't know if I should ask you about them because you're not you might not be prepared to like uh, I don't know do do you want me to uh, I'm pretty well read up on the more controversial (laughs) okay all aspects. Right. Well, let, let me ask you about this one thing, and I think it deals with this pearl of great price. Uh, okay. Okay. So, um, um, and this is like information I, I read and stuff. So, mm-hmm. uh, from the internet and, and things yeah. like that. So, um, 
from the story that I'm familiar with, um, Joseph uh, Smith, he, um, I think maybe he purchased um, old Egyptian manuscript, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. that eventually he translated mm-hmm. and became the Pearl of Great Price. But then... The Book uh, of Abraham. The Book of Abraham, yeah. that's right, mm-hmm. yeah. And at that time, um, from what I've read and been told, no one really could refute him because that was before um, the Egyptian language was unlocked, so yeah. to speak. Yeah. And then, uh, but after that time, um, I think it was called the Rosetta Stone or something mm-hmm. like Rosetta that. Rosetta Champollion, yeah. Okay. And that kind of was used to unlock the ancient yeah. language. And then um, when the, uh, you know, it was examine what he was translating from, mm-hmm. um, the impression was, well, it's uh, like, I think it was like a funeral document or something like that, yeah. but not, um, it didn't match up with, you know, what he right. said it was. Yeah. So um, I don't think I had ever, I don't, I don't know if I brought that up with the missionaries or not, but it was something I watched. We may have talked about it just briefly, mm-hmm. but it's always been something that's been in my yeah. head, and I don't, you know, do you have any thoughts about that or a response or an answer or anything? Oh, that's a huge Pandora's box that Is it? <laughs> I know better than to <laughs> get into. Um, in fact, there's a, well, it's been going on for years, but with uh, some podcasters and whatnot, it's a, it's a raging this, debate going this on This particular right now. topic? Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. It's been going on. Uh, it really became big in the late 1960s okay. when some of the uh, parchments were released okay. for, for open examination. Okay. And it became obvious that what was on the parchments had nothing to do with Abraham. Okay. Right. And, and so, you know, people were trying to figure out what the relationship was. Uh, there was, there was a, um, a sort of Egyptian. Uh, there are some papers that Joseph Smith and his colleagues worked on, trying to translate various Egyptian characters into English. Mm-hmm. And some people said, "Well, he was trying to reverse engineer the the Book of Abraham, and you know, there there there's some merit to that. We 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 just don't know. Okay, you know, it, it, it's it's a huge mystery." Um, you know, a lot of scholars in the church say, well, yeah, the parchment doesn't have anything to do with Abraham, but it was a catalyst that was used um, for Joseph Smith to receive revelation. Okay. All right. So is that is that issue troubling to you at all? Are you pretty at peace with it and so forth? It's something I don't understand. I wish I understood it better. Yeah. Um, I personally don't know what to make of it okay <laughs> it's not something i lose a lot of sleep over okay yeah um you know i have all sorts of questions yeah about various things uh relating to the church and its history and 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 doctrines mm-hmm. um you know i i think there there are some things that just aren't knowable you know, there, there's, there's that matter of, well, the parchments don't match what's in the Book of Abraham. But then there's a question, okay, where did it come from? <laughs> you know, it, it came from somewhere. 
the parchments? No, the the book the text oh, the book of the book of, of Abraham. Right, right, right. It, it, it's the same thing with, with the Book of Mormon. Yeah. Um, you know, I've looked at it from every angle, and it's almost like a locked room mystery. Um, the the evidence is that Joseph Smith dictated the whole thing in between two and three months, mm-hmm. and I just asked myself, how did he do it? <laughs> hmm. Because it's a pretty complex, deep story. Is that what you mean? It is. And, you know, I, I come to it as a former English major. Yeah. And looking at the different threads of narrative that weave in and out. And, you know, I, I've read some books about the, the structure of it and the, the, um, the different narrators in the Book of Mormon, the, you, within the book, the ones that put it together. Mm-hmm. And even if you look at it as fiction, it's, it's pretty incredible. Right. So, um, what would be, um, like, the main obstacle to coming into, like, a more of a traditional uh, Christian tradition? Um, would it be intellectual, or would it be um, more of this is your family, this is where your spiritual home is, or would it be both? Or, like, is there anything in particular that, um, or is it, like, not even desirable? Like, what you know, why would you, you know, there's nothing in traditional Christianity that would really attract you compared to what you have now? Yeah. Uh, part of it is, you know, my family, and this is my spiritual home. Right. Uh... I think the big obstacle would be the Book of Mormon. Hmm. You know, there have been times where that's been the only thing that's kept me in the church, huh. where I've become disenchanted with, with so much else, uh-huh. um, with, with various elements of, of the church culture, which don't necessarily fit my, my personality or my temperament. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I... One of our church leaders said that anybody who leaves the church has to either crawl over, under, or around the Book of Mormon. Because hmm. it's just... Because a, it's so foundational. Right. And it just has a powerful impact. Yeah. Um, I think if, for whatever reason, I did leave the church, I'd take the Book of Mormon with me. Okay. i still keep that. Because so, in there, I find Christianity in its purest form. Okay. So... Um, now, the Book of Mormon, from like an archaeological standpoint, has some difficulties, don't it? I haven't read the Book of yeah. Mormon, but, um, but that's why, like, because it takes place in um, America, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, yeah, most of it does. The first part of it takes place in um, Israel and the Arabian Peninsula. Okay. And actually, that, that has quite a bit of... Um, you know, there, there's a lot of internal evidence because it talks about this family traveling you know, by the Red Sea and across the Arabian Peninsula mm-hmm. and um, landing in what nowadays is called Oman. Okay. Uh, on the eastern part of Arabia. And apparently there, there's quite a bit of, um, quite a bit there that matches up with what's known about that, that part of that, that part of the world. Okay. Um, it's when it, gets to um, 
the Western Hemisphere mm-hmm. that things become more murky, mm-hmm. partly because nobody knows exactly where it was supposed to have taken place. Okay. Um, the prevailing theory is, is Mesoamerica, uh, Guatemala and uh, southern Mexico. Hmm. Um, but again, there, there's a debate between that and people who, that say it took place in the American heartland, the Great Lakes region. <laughs> okay. Okay. So there, there, there's not a consensus on okay. that. Okay. But if, if you ask most of the scholars associated with um, Brigham University, yeah, you know the church's university, they're in the Mesoamerican camp. Okay. And um, so, um, yeah, it makes me want to read it. Um, I mean, I've opened it up and read yeah. passages of it, but I've never really read it. But just that it so means so much to you, you yeah. know, just to kind of experience. I'll send you a link to it. Okay. I might have it on my iPad. Or I did it yeah. one time. I don't know if I still do or not. Mm-hmm. Or I could possibly have a hard copy around the house somewhere, like a yeah. paperback copy. Yeah. But, We've um, got a few of those at home as well. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's interesting talking with you, and I appreciate oh. you allowing me to kind of bring up some controversial things just to see what your response is because if I wouldn't have then I would be curious you know later like what would he have said to this or mm-hmm. that you know yeah um, but um, yeah so and I really guess that's that's another thing that uh, about the church that does appeal to me again the from the intellectual perspective uh-huh. there is such a um, rich literature and rich tradition of really digging into things yeah and um, you know, interpreting scripture and uh, going into you know, the the historical elements of the Book of Mormon and maybe a bit of geography and the, and the cultural and linguistic elements. Mm-hmm. Um, I totally geek out on that stuff. Yeah. Now, and you're when you guys meet, like testimonies are a big. Um, you have an emphasis on that, like people sharing their testimony right it's our open mic sunday (laughs) okay (laughs) the first sunday of the month (laughs) okay all right and uh which again has fallen by the wayside with the whole covid i see thing right we we Mm. mostly um now meet for communion and to um listen to one person um give a talk okay and then we um go our separate ways okay do y'all do home groups and that type of thing? Or before COVID, I mean? You know, um, are, do you mean like small groups? Yeah, like where you meet at homes and... No, or, and you know, I wish we did. Okay. I, I, I've, I've heard about um, or read about uh, the traditional Christian churches doing that, having the small groups, yeah. the small study groups, and I thought, man, I could totally get into that. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, our... Uh, people of um, LDS churches um, are they um, are they like is it like well, are they welcome to like uh, where y- your leadership says sure go you know visit a different church or someone's small group read different stuff like you you know you read Tim Keller and C.S. Yeah, yeah, Lewis so, yeah. so is that all okay or is there any kind of like a little bit of a guardian like hey don't let that influence you or something like that or yeah uh, a few decades ago a couple decades ago there was 
the old guard of the church okay. that did tend to be a bit insular, you know, just stick with the official church literature. Okay. You don't go too far afield. Mm-hmm. Um, the old guard has mostly passed away. Okay. Um, now there's... Let, let me say this. The church has always um, in, encouraged education. Um, you know, the the perspective is of the church is that all truth, wherever it, it comes from, is, is truth. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. whether it's, you know, inside the church, outside the church, uh, you know, science, the, the arts, mm-hmm. any of that, it, 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 it's all good. Hmm. Uh, there are some people that tend to be cautious about, especially literature that's critical of the church, mm-hmm. um, warns against that. You know, with the internet, of course, you can find whatever you're looking for. (laughs) There is every perspective in the world (laughs) on the internet. So uh, you you do need to be a bit uh, discerning in terms of what you expose yourself to. And also, I think, what you're able able to handle temperamentally. Right. I see what you mean. Uh, You know, some people are okay reading controversial stuff. Mm -hmm. I've been doing that for for years. Mm-hmm. other people, you know, they're not interested. They don't want anything to do with it. They feel more comfortable sticking with the the official church literature. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. and, you know, nothing against them. That that's, you know, everybody has different interests. So. Right. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I, I believe, and I believe this is in uh, line with the what the um, leaders of the church would say that anything that's true that you can expose yourself to and not only enrich, enrich your own experience of life, but allow you to better communicate with others and serve others is a good thing. Yeah. Cool. All right. Thanks, Terry. Really appreciate okay. your time. It was really Thank you. Good. It's been a pleasure. If you use a podcast app like iTunes, please give a review of Conversations About Life.